Mormonism 101, a book by Mormonism Research Ministries, Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson, has helped many who want to understand what separates Mormonism from the Christian faith. Mormonism 101 is available at your favorite Christian bookstore or online at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Earlier this week, I was explaining how, as a ministry that is trying to reach out to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that it becomes necessary to address some of the presuppositions and truth claims that the Mormon may believe. You can imagine that some Latter-day Saints do not take that very kindly. They don't really understand why we're doing that, because in their minds, they feel that they represent Christianity. Not only Christianity, but actually true Christianity, as they have been led to believe. Yesterday, we began looking at an email that was sent to us at contact at mrm.org. This is an address used by many who do not know our personal emails, but it is a general email that certainly will come to me. And this was by a faithful Latter-day Saint. I'm assuming he is a member of the church. He says so in the email. But he says a lot of things that would be worth examining because some of his complaints are not unusual when it comes to the complaints of other Latter-day Saints. Now, certainly he is questioning our integrity, wondering why we are doing what we are doing here at Mormonism Research Ministry. I get that. I don't even have a problem with that. But I think some of his accusations are really not accurate. They're not fair. But he starts off by saying that he came across an article that is on our website, mrm.org. In fact, the entire address of this article he's referring to is mrm.org slash credit hyphen for, F-O-R, hyphen trying, credit for trying. This is an article that was written by you, Eric, and he's obviously finding some problems with this. It was based on a statement that was made by a currently serving apostle in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a man by the name of Jeffrey R. Holland. It was back in the April 2016 General Conference, and of course, General Conference is held twice a year in downtown Salt Lake City. This was the Spring Conference. And it was here that Jeffrey R. Holland gave what we even admit was a kind of pep talk encouraging people by telling them that they get credit for trying. The title of his message was, Tomorrow the Lord Will Do Wonders Among You. He says in his email he's baffled why we would critique this article because Jeffrey Holland, and I would agree with this writer, Jeffrey Holland is trying to be encouraging. He is trying to combat the disappointment, perhaps, that a lot of Latter-day Saints have when they realize that they seem to fall short of the high standard that the LDS Church puts upon its membership. Now, in the article, Eric, you write, in his 2016 talk, because this is when he gave it, Holland suggested that the messages given in General Conference are 
in quote, intended to give hope and inspiration. They are not intended to discourage you. Latter-day Saints are told that when speakers get up to talk to the membership in this event, as Dieter F. Uchtdorf, who is currently serving as an apostle in the church, said several years ago, he says, it's like the mind and will of God that's being expressed to the membership. So they take general conference very seriously. Well, when Jeffrey Holland says that these talks are not intended to discourage you, you write, Eric, an outsider might ask, quote, how could anyone who attends General Conference become discouraged? End quote. Perhaps it's because many faithful Latter-day Saints believe that what is said at this biannual event are, quote, kick-in-the-tail reminders rather than congratulatory pats on the back. You write, Eric, while the leaders generally don't admit to having any shortcomings of their own, it is typical for them to tell the membership to get in step with the program and follow the orders of the leaders. Now, quite honestly, Eric, I think you explain what many general conference messages are really all about. They are about not only doing good, but do better. And I used the expression before, be better tomorrow than you were today, but of course you, you are supposed to be better today than you were yesterday. And that actually is an expression that was taught by a, a leader many years ago. You write, Eric, that there's nothing wrong with challenging messages and an encouragement to do the right thing, but it's done with such regularity at General Conference that it has become what many Latter-day Saints expect. We have talked to Latter-day Saints who have said that very thing. They know they're going to get these sharp messages, uh, sometimes rebuking messages, to put away your sin and do what is right. You're not criticizing that per se. It's just that that's how it is understood by the membership. Many Latter-day Saints who have ended up leaving the church, that's what they'll say as well. They realize that for all their lives they've been told how they need to improve their lives, but yet from these leaders you don't really get this idea that they are struggling with any of the things that they're telling the members to do, and yet you know that they're not doing everything they say you're supposed to do. You talk about in your article how you were at church, that was here in Utah, mm -hmm. And there were a couple of sister missionaries that were sitting behind you. It's not hard to know that they were missionaries because they wear the black badges. Now, I know that they're dressing much more casual nowadays, but certainly where they, when they wear that black badge and it says sister so-and-so or elder so-and-so, you can be sure you're talking to a missionary who is with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You tell this story. You say, when I asked the two Mormons if they could provide a scriptural reference that would support the notion that some type of credit could be earned by trying, you said there was silence. They didn't respond to you right away. I then provided, and this is speaking of you, I then provided a scenario with a young married couple seeking access to the temple for their marriage. Now, I thought what you did here in this illustration was brilliant, Eric, because I think you're hitting the nail on the head with why what Holland is saying really doesn't make sense within the whole context of Mormonism. You gave this scenario that this couple goes before their bishop, let's say, and they say, we'd like to get our temple recommend. And the bishop says, okay, are you tithing? 
Tithing is absolutely essential if you're hoping to get a temple recommend. And as I explained earlier, the temple recommend is this little card that allows you permission to go into any temple that is owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Wherever they may be throughout the world, that card will get you in. So the couple responds to this question by the bishop. Well, we give 3% of our income but we get credit for trying. In other words, you're brilliant in using the phrase that Holland uses, but you also use it in a context which you know is not going to be met with satisfaction. Paying 3% of a Latter-day Saint's income is not going to meet the standard 10%, whether it's of your gross or of your net, but certainly it's a 10% tithe according to the LDS Church. So the bishop responds, as you say, How are you doing at the Word of Wisdom? Now, let's explain. The Word of Wisdom is a Mormon health code. It's found in section 89 of the Doctrine and Covenants, which the Doctrine and Covenants is a part of Mormon scripture that contains a number of alleged revelations that were given to Joseph Smith, the founder of the LDS movement. Most of the revelations in the Doctrine and Covenants were given supposedly to Joseph Smith. The couple responds to this question by saying, you know, we are only going to Starbucks three times a week, but what an improvement over last year when we went every day. We're getting so much better, and I'm glad we're covered because we are trying. Again, a reference back to what Jeffrey Holland appears to be saying in this conference message. The bishop responds in your scenario, hmm, how about your church attendance? To which the couple responds, well, twice a month we faithfully attend the sacrament service, except on those Sundays where the Green Bay Packers have the early game. We're sure the Lord understands because we're cheeseheads, and Lord knows we're trying. The reason why I thought this imaginary conversation was brilliant, as I said before, is because You know as well as I do, and I think most Latter-day Saints, even Latter-day Saints who are listening to this show, know those answers are not going to cut it. If you do not answer these questions properly, that ecclesiastical leader, whether it's the bishop or the stake president, is not going to grant you a recommend, and you will not have permission to attend any of the services that are made available in a Mormon temple. If you talk to Latter-day Saints about this issue, you're going to hear the same answer over and over again. And I just had an opportunity a few weeks ago to talk to two sister missionaries right outside the temple in San Diego. So we got onto this topic of knowing whether or not you have eternal life. And uh, the one sister said, well, you know, I'm doing my best. I'm trying. And so I cited from my favorite book, The Miracle of Forgiveness by Spencer W. Kimball, where he said on pages 164 and 165, trying is not sufficient nor is repentance complete when one merely tries to abandon sin. To try is weak. To do the best we can is not strong. You must always do better than you can. Now, I didn't cite that to the sister, but that's what I'm thinking. And so I asked her, I said, isn't by your own admission trying, meaning that you really are not doing everything that you are capable of doing? And she said, yes. I said, is it possible for you to keep the commandments of God? Because that's what LDS scripture says in the book of Moses, also 1 Nephi 3, 7. And she says, well, yes, you can keep all the commandments. And I said, but your admission that you're doing your best and you're trying is you're not doing it. She says, well, 
I'm hoping to get better. And then I asked that proverbial question, when do you think you'll ever arrive? She says, I might not do it in this lifetime. So that's very common a conversation. And I think it really bothers Latter-day Saints when 1 John 5.13 says we may know we have eternal life. But so many want to keep going back to admitting their failure by saying they're trying. An expression that we have often used here at MRM is, it seems like every Latter-day Saint knows what's expected of them. The problem is no Latter-day Saint is doing what's expected of them, even though their own scripture teaches that their God cannot look upon their sin with the least degree of allowance. Every Latter-day Saint that seems to want to talk to us will admit that they do have unconfessed sin. They, they are, in a way, procrastinating their repentance because they haven't done what the church expects. And what is that? You must repent of all your sins, never to repeat them again. No Latter-day Saint is doing that. I don't think this person, Mark, who wrote me, is doing that. He may hope that he's going to qualify, but I don't think he would be so brash as to say he is keeping all the commandments and he has repented in that context of all his sins. And what you just did is cite from their own scriptures. You cited D&C 131 and 32, DNC 5843, and you could throw in DNC 827 that all your former sins will come back if you sin that same sin again. So the Latter day Saint knows that, and it's condemning them, and they, and they recognize that. Tomorrow we're going to continue looking at this email that was given to us by a faithful Latter day Saint, and we will continue responding to some of his complaints. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.